0: minute 152 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me again today is Howard Kasner, screenwriter and script consultant, blogger and host of the Pop Art Podcast. Welcome back, Howard.
1: Well, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. I mean, it's been, wow, what, has it been a week? No, it's been 24 hours. That's it. 24 hours. It was My hot when yes. you have such fun. Completely, completely.
0: All right, well, minute 152 begins with Henley looking away from the soldiers and goes all the way till we see Hilts riding into a sinkhole. Or at least that's what it looks like. As we were discussing yesterday, Blythe and Henley were trying to get away from their crashed uh, airplane, and unfortunately, Blythe went in the wrong direction and was shot by a German soldier who uh, basically got a dead center shot and did a, did a very nice job of getting rid of another British actor in the movie. Yes. As, uh, <laughs> is, is that something that you've, that you've seen in other movies where they, where they do that? So, you know, from your screenwriting perspective, is there, something, you know, is there something to that where you get rid of a particular nationality?
1: Well, it's not so much that I think that is happening, and I don't know if we'd want to get into this now. We can, whatever you want. Yeah, but um, it's not unusual for the U.S. to want to look good and look better in films not necessarily made in the U.S. Or uh, like, for example, there were almost no Americans involved in The Great Escape. They had a very minor role to play. But if you're going to sell this movie to America and you going to make it on this big a budget, you're going to have to do what the Americans want. So you're going to have to really build up these American characters or have American characters play an Australian or a, I can't remember. Polish. Polish. Polish uh, character. Danny is Polish. Yeah. In order to sell it in America. And I was thinking about this and it's similar. And I'm almost afraid to say it because I think people might jump down my throat, but in the 1930s, you could not criticize Germany in films at all. Yes. Because the European market was too important. Germany was too big a film market. Uh, they would not just ban that film. They would ban all films. Yes.
0: Until two Confessions of a Nazi Spy.
1: Right. And by that time, we were just about to go into no, war it was and everybody 1939. Knew it was the market.
0: Two, it was still two years mm-hmm. away, but...
1: Well, yes and no. I mean... Britain goes to war in 1939, right. and everybody in the U.S. knew, Yeah, it's it's only going to be a matter yeah. of time. So yeah, they started doing these. Uh, they finally started relenting to a degree. Today, if you have a big budget film and you want to get it in China, where you really need to get it to make your money back, you don't. Not only do you not criticize China, you can't have certain things in the right. film. So at this time, if you want to have a big market in America you better have american stars whether the whether there were any americans involved in it right at okay
0: all. i mean again if if you've, if you've read the the book have you have you read the book this is based on by paul Bricko? No. so no. the there were americans that were involved in the, the digging of the tunnel but i think 3 weeks before the escape they actually moved them to a different part of the camp they moved the americans away right. so so, so you know so... wally flood who i think was canadian I think so. Mm-hmm. You know, he he also wasn't wasn't there. They were they were moved away beforehand. Right. They they it, they were very it, integral yeah. in in the digging, but you know in in the actual escape itself, it didn't happen. There was no Hilts, There was no Henley, and there definitely was no Guff.
1: <laughs> yeah. But so you want to sell this to American audiences, and this is a big expensive movie. You're going to have to give the American audiences something. So they gave them these American stars, and these. American people that had no part in the process. Not only and he gave that, you the whole
0: Fourth of July uh, aspect of the of the movie.
1: Right, <laughs> and not only that, Steve McQueen, who was probably the biggest star at the time, said, "I want to be on a motorcycle. <laughs> I don't care how you get it in the script. You put that in the script and give me the motorcycle, or I don't do the movie." And they're going, "Well, okay, this never happened. It's totally fiction." But Steve McQueen is our selling point, is our biggest star. We gotta do whatever Steve McQueen wants. Now it's an exciting part of the movie. It's one of the most exciting and best parts of the movie. But we all know what's
0: well it's not only the most exciting part one of the most exciting parts of the movie, it's also one of the most iconic parts of this movie. Most people who haven't seen this movie will still be aware of the fact that, that there is some famous scene with Steve McQueen on a motorcycle jumping over a fence. You know, they might not—they might not be able to know. Right. so it's
1: a two-edged that, sword. That it's
0: the Great Escape. Uh, hopefully, they will. Hopefully, they do. But yeah. in general, you're right. It—it it was completely.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a two-edged sword. You—you you know, it—it it didn't happen. It's telefiction. Totally they did it to please Steve McQueen. And ironically, it turned out to be one of the most exciting and, as you said, iconic scenes in the movie. So, what are you well, gonna do? They, they,
0: they did it right. <laughs> yeah. So. So in this minute we start off with Penley still looking at the the German soldiers who have just shot Colin and he looks at as we said yesterday he looked at the guns and then he just looks away. He just doesn't want to have he doesn't want to look at them and he looks down at the newly deceased Colin Blythe as he's holding on to him still. Yeah. Then we get another shot of this lush countryside. The truth is it's it's a very beautiful shot if you think about it. You it know is. you got you got I mean, we we know that that this is supposed to be on the German-Swiss border. It's not really, but it's supposed to be. And we get a a fraction of one or two seconds of of the whole area, nice and quiet, and come. And then we hear the sound of a motorcycle. And then we see a motorcycle appear in the distance, riding towards us. And the, the music that Bernstein chose to use in the scene is just amazing. Because it's a very energetic beat and it, it feels somewhat playful and adventurous and stuff like that. I mean, in, in, in two weeks, we're going to have a, a music es- expert on the show. So maybe she'll be able to to, to explain to us more about the uh, music motifs in, in films. But I just love the music in this movie.
1: It is. Uh, Elmer Bernstein is one of the best uh, composers, one of the finest composers of film music. So, And it's also iconic. The music itself is iconic. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm still shocked that the, the the music itself wasn't nominated for anything at the Oscars that year. The, I mean, the only the only thing this movie got nominated for was the editing, which we're, we're we'll we'll talk about later this week because we're 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 definitely going to get to the scene where where they were nominated for. He, did, he didn't win, but he was definitely nominated for that. So then we get to see the uh, numerous shots of the motorcycle. The motorcycle, you know, we we get Hilt coming towards us. He does it in a very interesting manner. To basically give us, I guess you could say, gratuitous shots of of a motorcycle. In, in some ways, I would call this uh,
1: motorcycle porn. By the by... I, I, as soon as you said that, the word the words motorcycle porn entered my exactly, head because, <laughs> because that's more
0: or less what it is here. He's showing off his his motorcycling skills. You know, I, I wonder. I, I assume this is probably one of the only movies that has uh, such gratuitous shots of motorcycles. If anyone out there knows of others that that are well, as iconic and as gratuitous, let us know. Oh sure, easy right? Yes and no. I, I I there are motorcycle shots, but I think this movie plays the motorcycle shots a, a little a little more, even though it's only just a few few minutes on screen. But it uh, it's very heavy in this movie. We get to see, go up the hill, and as he goes up the hill, we get to see. In the distance, you get to see the mountains in the distance and you get to see the fence along with a, a little Swiss flag hanging on a pole in the distance behind him. He just continues moving along and, again, it's 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 shot beautifully. There's no question about it. And he goes towards the fence and then we get another shot from a different angle that, that again, shows him, you know, st- sort of standing up a little bit on on the, the motorcycle as it's going... Going along again, going straight towards the fence, you know he, he jerks the motorcycle back and forth a little bit along the way. The biggest question here is is, is this Steve McQueen in these shots, or is it Bud Edkins you know his friend in stunt double who did a lot of the shots also I, I know that on on uh, on location there was a lot of fighting between McQueen and everyone else, but he wanted to do as much of these shots as possible on his
1: own. My guess is he's probably doing all of these shots and then it stops when he does the trick of writing and then he becomes one of the Germans, doesn't he? At no, that we, point. we've
0: actually already seen him as the German. That was, that was on as last the week, German okay. where he's basically chasing himself. Okay.
1: yeah, you know, yes, that's yeah, right.
0: Yeah. That's right. Which, which is, you know, movie okay. magic. You can have a character chase
1: them. Yeah, but, but it's really hard to say. I know he wanted to do most of them himself or as many of them, as he could there's nothing really that dangerous about doing a motorcycle riding here uh so it's quite possible it as his at the same time it's such a distance away
0: yeah
1: you know it's very true
0: so then he continues along and he goes almost all the way up in the fence and then he realizes he needs to turn around you know the, the the motorcycle once again jerks to the side as he does sort of a you know i guess you can call it a, a dirt bike swerve to go back you know to 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 move back to the other direction, and then we get a nice close up of of him on the bike with the the fence behind him, and you see the wind blowing in his hair, you know completely unrealistic and gratuitous, but you know that that's one of the the, the reasons people love this movie for 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 this scene for these scenes that you get to see him. that's right, and then he just looks around and he's able to see that there are two truckloads of those that are that are coming towards him, which <laughs> makes, makes you wonder. I mean, the, the, there's a lot of manpower coming just for this one writer. You know, either they have very little confidence in themselves or maybe Roger was right when he said that, that uh, you know, they're able to get so many people, you know, off, at, off of the fronts in order to be, you know, on this new front to try to capture all these uh, escaped prisoners.
1: Well, I suppose, but of course, this is a totally fictionalized, uh, section, but I think you're right. It they did spend a lot of manpower in this scene to arrest one man when it can't be that hard.
0: Just, uh, just shoot him
1: to get him.
0: <laughs> they, they shot Blythe, right. so it was, no, he, but, he's American. I know you can't shoot him in this movie. I'm aware of that. Yeah, you see, <laughs> you <can't shoot> him.
1: <laughs> But you're right. Yeah, that why they're they're why they're not shooting him uh, also doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean. They have no problem with killing these people, as we'll see in the future. Yes. They they just massacre a lot of these skippies. So they, they have nothing morally against shooting them or saying, well, let's take this one a lot. You know, it's, yeah, there's, it's, that has nothing to do with logic within the movie.
0: Yeah, completely. And then we get to see a motorcycle and a car come from another direction towards him. You know, and he just looks around trying to decide what he's going to do. You know, what's, you you can see him contemplating, what are his options at this point? You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to try to get over this fence to safety? You know, he swings the, the motorcycle around, and then once again, we get a great shot of him riding on these lush hills along the side of the fence, and then he skids to a halt because he hears something, and then we see... A whole group of soldiers running up on the side. This scene reminds me of, remember that old Coca-Cola commercial? Yeah. You know, I'd like to buy the world of Coke. Yes. So the way that all these soldiers just appear on the edge of this hill just reminds me of that. So I, I think that's great. Another thing this reminded me of is, you know, he's, he's moving towards a certain direction, and then there's a whole bunch of soldiers that are appearing right in front of him. It reminded me of, uh, you know, the scene in Star Wars. In the original, where you know Han Solo and Chewbacca are, are screaming and running, you know, chasing the, the the stormtroopers in the Death Star, and then they they reach the the hangar, and then
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then they're startled by a whole bunch of soldiers that are standing there. Where you know, in in the original, there there was a, a handful of soldiers there, and then in the special edition, they added like, uh, another twenty or something like that to make it whatever. But it reminded me that way. He's going off in one direction, and then he quickly sees that there's. You know someone in front of him, and he skids around and tries to uh, to get out of there. Now, I actually paused it when I saw this whole group of soldiers there. You want to give a guess as to how many soldiers uh, approximately are there?
1: Looks like twenty.
0: It's a little blurry, so I had I had a little trouble getting an exact count. Okay, okay. I counted thirty-two. Okay, which is a, approximately a platoon of soldiers that that are uh, on their way to to get him. Which again, that's a lot of soldiers that are that are after one guy. Huh.
1: Yeah.
0: And then he, he spins around, and then goes closer to the, to the fence, and starts speeding along along the fence. We see that he's picking up speed along the way, and then he actually—it this actually looks like a golf course in some ways.
1: Um, yeah, because it you almost look looks at, like it's a sand pit that they're I mean, exactly,
0: but, exactly. That it looks like he's about to go into a sinkhole. Yeah. That's actually where this minute ends.
1: Did you have anything else you
0: wanted to say about this minute, Howard? No, I don't think so. All right, great. So, why don't you once again tell people how they can contact you, how to get in touch with you? Uh,
1: well, again, uh, it's easiest to find me on Facebook, Howard Kastner. I suppose I should spell that C A S N E R. Uh, for my uh, screenplay consultation page, my blog is Rantings and Ravings. Uh, the podcast is called Pop Art, and it's easiest. It's on a lot of streaming channels, but the easiest place to find them is probably on Apple and Potomatic and Anchor. Uh, you know, uh, you need to search for Pop Art, but you probably also need to search for my name as well. All right,
0: great. You can get in touch with us by contacting us by Twitter. Our Twitter account is Great Escape MXM. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our email address is thegreatminute at and our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. So, until tomorrow, tally ho.
1: Tally ho.